You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ho, 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 lions. Ho, 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 lions. Ho, 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 lions. This is the Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast. PrideofDetroit.com, at Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know how to find us, I just told you. I am Santa Chris. I am Santa Chris Perfett. At Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Santa is adequate this year. He's bringing you half and half measures of coal mixed in with whatever toy you wanted, I guess. That's adequate. That's 50-50. We have a Christmas miracle for y'all in that this podcast is going to be coming out on Christmas or very late Christmas Eve, depending on where you live. And we have the whole cast here again. So it's, as LP would say, it's a bleeping Christmas miracle. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, he's here. And his adequacy in this Christmas miracle is that he has food poisoning. Hooray. Merry Christmas, everybody. So if at some point he runs off, like he's in the middle of a sentence and all of a sudden he just stops and runs off and it falls back to the other two of us, you know why. Just picture the Dumb and Dumber scene. You know which one I'm talking about. (sighs) Jesus. Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother. At Ryan underscore POD. How you doing, buddy? It feels like it's been forever since we've had you back on. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be back on of all podcasts, the Christmas blowout. Um, which I don't, guess we don't can Don't use take, that word. Don't use that word. <laughs> which I was gonna say actually could be applied threefold um to everything. And speaking of 50-50, I mean, hopefully the Lions aren't getting anything 50-50 because when they had a chance to knock down a 50-50 ball. Okay. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Here we go right into it. So this is, I'm just going to level out with you people. This hasn't been a great month for pretty much anything at Pride of Detroit. And this is going to be probably one of our more bizarre episodes because we're just throwing caution to the wind. We have some some stuff. We're going to be doing kind of late Festivus, early Christmas uh, wishes for the Detroit Lions. But first, we have to talk about Vikings Lions. And thankfully for the last time. Probably for all time. I don't know. Uh, as Ryan alluded to, this the main highlight from this game was the Lions failing to stop a Hail Mary yet again. Uh, thankfully, this one wasn't to end the game or decide a game. This was just to end a half, a half where they had held the Minnesota Vikings to how many yards was it, Jeremy? Five total offensive yards or something like that? In the, I think in the first quarter, it was four total yards. They went Four total four, yards. They went three the, and out for their first four straight possessions. Yeah, so like the defense was working here and it was seeming fine and then the 
second quarter happened. And like, yeah, I think the Vikings had scored at that point. I think Lions were still ahead. What was it like nine, nine to seven? seven. Nine yeah. to seven. And then woof, there it is, right there. Kirk Cousins suddenly bombing the end zone, and no one's hitting Kyle Rudolph because Jeremy. I, I don't. I yeah. It's it's a fifty fifty ball, and I think offense has gotten better at doing hail marys, but it still hurts to see. You it, hate I to mean, see it. You hate to see it, but I mean. All right, let's just get the Hail Mary talk out of the way because I'm, I'm I think, front I think it's one of those things that just tends to draw too much attention and negative energy, which it was a poorly coached play. Let's be first and foremost. None of the players were in the right positions, and the one guy that was in the right position, Deshaun Shedd, decided not to jump in the air. He was literally flat-footed when the, when the ball was arriving. Um, but, I mean the Lions preparation for that play looked like there was no preparation. It looked like they hadn't practiced that at all. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure they have, but they just, they looked complete. Like Kenny Galladay, the tallest guy on the field is standing at the, at the at back of the end zone. That makes absolutely no sense. He needs to be in the front. He needs to be jumping up in front of everybody, knocking it down. Um, but I mean, it didn't necessarily cost the Lions a game, but it sure felt like if, if, Someone were to believe in momentum, which I clearly do not. That would have been the momentum shift in the game. Yeah, I was listening to the WJR broadcast. Lomas was talking all about momentum changing with that, especially coming out of the half and talking about, you know, now you feel bad for yourself and stuff like that. So, Ryan, uh, reactions from the Hail Mary, just so we can get this out of the way and talk about the rest of the game, which isn't going to be much, but... Yeah, you know, I, I think I saw a lot of people on Twitter react with a lot of like, maybe irreverence isn't the right word, but just kind of, um, you know, there's no other way to respond to that play other than kind of just laughing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it I don't know, it's just so like, so symptomatic of like everything that's happened of the season. I don't know. It, it's just the Lions like playing well, almost seems like they're outplaying their own coaching. And then when it comes time for coaching to step in and put the position or put the players in the right position to make a play, like you said, Jeremy, Kenny Galladay's in the back of the end zone covering the boundary, which can't catch the ball. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, I don't know, it, it's not something I can just like throw my hands up and laugh at because it's, it's actually something that just like frustrated me. Like, and, and it really like, it was the wrong way to even send myself off into the half. Cause like, it, it just, it just le- left me thinking about like, why, like, why do I, why do I watch this team? Like do this to me, like continually, like th- there's so many other things <laughs> I can be doing with my time. Um, but I'm going to be back for the second half. <laughs> <sighs> as I, as I, as I posted out there, like all I can think about is some like master Miller, like, why are we here just to suffer? just to suffer to do this again and again. I, it's, I think you're right, Ryan. It's, it's symptomatic. And I think it was part of a larger frustration, which the defense up until that point up in that first half was fairly solid. All things said and done. Just once again, it's the offense not living up to their part in this game. And now we are now we're, we're going to be saying this unless the lions score. What is it? 21 in again. Is it, they haven't scored more than 20 since October, Jeremy. I believe that's right. Yeah. Six straight so, games. 
yeah, you got one more, you got one more chance before we have to start taking that into the, into the off season. And we don't want to do that. It would be really depressing for people to keep repeating that over and over. It would suck. It would really suck. It would really suck if we had to keep saying for an entire off season, the lions haven't scored more than 20 points since October. <clears throat> don't make that happen. I wonder if anything significant happened in October that may have caused that. Hmm. Uh, 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 uh. hmm. Anyway, that right, that right there is that right there is bait. That is thinking. <laughs> that is thinking emoji spinning in like four dimensions. Let me let me stop with the negativity for a second and actually yeah, talk about some positives. I'm no, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna say it. But you don't need to do I positive excuses right now. All right, <laughs> I don't need excuses. I just need something funny out of this. Like the lions are need not be this depressing. They suck. They there, really suck. The but, was like, there was a flash to me in that first half where it was like, this is the team the Lions could have been. Mm-hmm. And they were dominating both lines of scrimmage, not just defensively and holding Dalvin Cook in check in the first half. They were doing it on offense, too. They were opening running lanes for Zach Zenner. They're opening lanes for LeGarrette Blunt. For He somehow has 2.6 yards per carry in this game, despite it seeming that he ran for negative yardage every other play. <laughs> and that just goes to show you how many rushing lanes there were. And the Lions actually came out with a, a good game plan on offense in that they, they had a six offensive lineman in there quite, quite a bit. Joe Dahl was in there, sometimes lined up out wide as like a slot receiver, then kind of motioning back in. But it was working. Matthew Stafford had all day. The running game was working. And defensively, they were, you know, I mean, four straight three and outs to start the game. You literally can't be any better except if you're you're forcing turnovers. But the problem is their situational football is so bad. They're third and shorts. They just don't know how to call a play on that. And the the thing that encapsulates what I think is is going to be the moment that I remember Jim Bob Cooter for the most is when it was third and fourteen. The Lions are on their own 34 or are on the Vikings 34 yard. The play calls a draw, as we all knew it was going to be. And in in some ways the reasoning is sound is sound. You know, you think, okay, we just need to pick up three, four yards here. We'll get Prater in the game. He'll kick a field goal. We'll go up 12-0. Hooray. Runs a draw play, loses four yards, pushes them out of field goal position. They punt it away. That is the epitome of a Jim Bob Cooter play right there is that he's play, he's trying to play it so safe that he's played himself out uh, he's played it too safe like he's made it, he's he, he's basically risky with how safe he played it and that that to me will go down as as the legend of Jim Bob Cooter and maybe and maybe I'm leaving Matt letting Matt Patricia off the hook because maybe it wasn't that conservative in years past but the short passing game was always kind of the the calling card of, of this team on third down and without golden Tate, the, the next safe option is a draw play. So I still think, and maybe this is just me being hopeful that, that the problem is Jim Bob Cooter and, and hopefully that'll get fixed this off season. This is probably the worst uh, Talladega Knights remake by calling it the legend of Jim Bob Cooter. I would not see that sequel. Would you Ryan? No, I speaking of sequels, Jim Caldwell might get a sequel. <laughs> Really? Wait, wait, hold up. I haven't seen this news. What's up? Uh, this was something that broke kind of early Sunday morning. Schefter, I think, was the one who reported yep. it that 
yeah, that Caldwell, that teams were going to be interested in in Jim Caldwell as a head coach. Um, when really? It, when, yeah, when it comes back around time for for hiring season to begin, well, maybe he might get the uh, job in Arizona. He's cracking his neck. He's strapping on both watches. He's ready to go. He's suiting up. But as far as as far as sequels <laughs> for Jim Bob Cooter, I mean, I, I'm I'm almost wondering like who. Who is having like an a more unceremonious exit from Detroit? Like, was it Lombardi or was it Cooter? I mean, at least like Cooter was able to make it through an entire season. Um, admittedly, he probably shouldn't have. Like, he probably should have been been let go earlier than this. But I, I don't know. I don't know who was. I don't know who was worse. I think at this point, like we've seen, or if it matters, I don't even know if it matters. It doesn't. I, matter. I don't know if it matters. See, the problem is for Lombardi, like they t- 2014 kind of like papered over a lot of those woes that they had, and it was just like, okay, the Lions are doing well because they've got a great uh, defense to go with it, and then like yeah, halfway into that season, Lombardi got out of here pretty quick. He got pushed out pretty quick. Uh, Cooter's kind of overstayed his welcome. I feel. But I mean, yeah, at this point too, like there's nothing you can really say about the personnel. Uh, Kenny Galladay, decent enough, but like, you know, you're only actually not even decent enough. What am I talking about? Like when you're only catching six of 15 targets, it's, yeah. I get it. Vikings, Vikings defensive backs. Zag Zenner, once again, your, your rushing leader. It's just like there's, there's the cupboards bare at this point. It is. I, I thought Galladay could have played a better game and, I mean, we came into the season all thinking TJ Jones would be a, a good number four guy and come in mm-hmm. in case of injury, and he's been pretty quiet ever since well, I mean, Marvin Jones has gone. He's a number four, and now he's being forced to play number two. So right. Don't, there's, also, there's part don't of say number two, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's a poop joke. All right. Um, uh, but, real quick, real quick. Um, reactions when Stafford was benched. I don't, I don't have any I'm stupid, whatever. No, I mean, if I remember you, Jeremy, you were advocating before this game, just like not playing Stafford at all. Right. No. And I'm not saying I'm, it was a stupid decision to take him out. It's fine. The game was over, whatever. It's, the stupid was the reaction from the crowd, which I mean, I've come to expect nothing less and I get Lions fans are frustrated, but like applauding Matt Castle in the game is a new low for Lions fans. Your savior, Matt Castle. It does feel like fans have reached a frustration point with Stafford, but I think that's more that that's going to be more for an off-season talk. I think it's just and once again, yeah, you know. it, it's just recency bias. Like coming yeah. into the season, he was coming off one of his best years of, of his career, and people were like, "Oh, well, I think we we finally put all the Stafford haters to rest." And then he comes out, throws for a hundred passer rating in five straight games, and everyone's fine. And then Golden Tate gets traded. The offensive line starts to struggle. TJ Lane gets out and everything starts to crumble and everyone thinks he's the worst quarterback again. It's just, it's a tired narrative where it's just whatever happened most recent is the guy's complete, uh, I don't know, it's complete body of work is, is based off his last six games and that's stupid and People are overreactive, and I don't even want to give them that much attention because whatever. Okay, cares. let's get let's get to the one good thing then. Glover Quinn, maybe. Quandre Diggs, man. I, I mean, the defense Quandry in general, Diggs. like the defense played fine in this game, and they were victimized by like two big plays, and that's it. 
the basically the Vikings had absolutely nothing going for them until a third and whatever, 14, 15, 16, 17, whatever play where Darius Slay got caught kind of sneaking in uh, middle of the field when he had wide right zone, left a wide open Adam Thielen, then got injured. So the next play, you know, or a couple of plays later, they they target Marcus Cooper. Suddenly they're, it's a nine to seven game. And then obviously the Hail Mary. And while the defense looked a lot worse in the second half, they weren't necessarily bad. Um, I think part of it might've had to do missing Aishon. Um, that injury is more significant than people are led to believe. I think Aishon is playing out of his mind right now, almost as good as Snacks, but he doesn't quite get the attention that Snacks does. Um, but I mean, still in 13 second half points. That's not that bad. I'm fine good with stuff. it. Any thoughts, Ryan? Any, any positive takeaways? Anything to get us in the holiday mood? What about Derry Sanders? Derry Sanders? This is my favorite. This is my favorite nickname. I think of any sports player of any sport and of any time within the annals of, of history. Like Zach Zenner. Like here, here's here's what I really like about Zach Zenner as like a football player. Oh my God. Um, I know. Well, Chris, you asked for positive takeaways. I'm trying to give you something. Okay. I mean, <laughs> yep, the guy, like ahead. the guy, the guy had like a positive game and like. The the thing about the Lions moving forward is that they're going to have to make some decisions, and I would not be surprised to see maybe only one running back return next year that's currently on this team, and that's obviously on Johnson. But I, I, the way that Zenner plays, like, I mean, why shouldn't he at least be like the, you know, the third, probably, you know, more importantly, if you have a good, you know, depth at running back, like, I think that he's totally capable of being like the fourth guy who is a healthy scratch or maybe because he can contribute on special teams, you know, he sneaks his way onto the game day roster every once in a while. You know, he had eight carries yesterday for 45 yards, um, caught a couple of passes for 22 yards. I mean, he was the Lions most productive runner, you know, last week or yeah, against the Vikings. And I, I, I just, it's funny how he's going to be able to, I think he's going to work his way onto the roster next year. I just, I just have a feeling. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he's a free agent, but I think, I think you're right. I think they re-signed him. I think he's, I think, I mean, you could even make an argument for RB3 at this point. Like he's running that well. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's just more of an indictment of the coaching staff. The fact that LeGarrette Blunt had 11 carries in this game and, and Zach Zenner had eight. Like LeGarrette Blunt has not earned those carries. I'm sorry. He hasn't. Zach Zenner has. He oh, Zach Zenner always seems to make the first guy miss, and he's not athletic enough where he's going to win to the outside, and he's not athletic enough where he's going to you know outrun a safety when he gets to the second level. But he's been getting to the second level more consistently than anyone outside of Carryon Johnson, and I mean the the stats speak for themselves. He's he's should be the lead back right now, and he should be in week seventeen. Not that anyone really cares about week seventeen, but he should be. I do. I, I care. I care about Jeremy. Chiefs or something. No, I'm not about the Chiefs. It's Ryan. I do care about the Chiefs, but I care about Patrick Mahomes. I don't care about the Chiefs. Yeah, that's a that's a better point because <laughs> yeah, there's some players on that team I really don't care for. Um, yep. Okay, one last thing. I've been trying all here. It's Christmas Eve. We're trying to get you guys positive. Uh the one biggest takeaway from this game. Song one. Hashtag song one undefeated now for the season <laughs> at Ford field to Africa by Toto. 
they brought out Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. Probably it, it, they, they tried last, last time to bring out uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which I called the anthem of every suburban chud in, in existence. This time they brought out Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. And uh, Jeremy, how, how, how um, were, were you feeling nervous? I was nervous at the time, especially because Tori Petri, she, Tori threw her, Petri. she threw her weight behind Mariah Carey. And I understand it's the best Christmas song of all time. Top 10 animated trails. But, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, if, if there was a song that could take down Toto's Africa, I think it would have been that. I mean, the timing was perfect, obviously, right before Christmas. Um, I feel like there may have been a little Toto fatigue running through Ford Field. Obviously, tensions were high already, so everyone in, in the building, if, if they want to change at quarterback, maybe they want to change in song of the game, too. So I was nervous. I was nervous. No, this just this cements the legend. It's, it's official now. Lions, you have to listen to us. We're, we're, we're calling the shots now on this, on this music. It's Toto Africa. I, and, I, I, and I really don't want to even sleep um, until I find out that Toto will be performing at Thanksgiving. We, we're, like, we're arguing about this, because like, I think someone from Cranes, I, again, I think the, his tweet was sarcastic, but Jeremy doesn't think so. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the way it was saying. But anyways, the report, the report, whether it was sarcastic or not, was that the Lions actually did reach out to Toto to try to get them to play a halftime show. And he said, no idea if it's ever actually going to happen. I've heard Toto don't like playing Africa, though. Have you seen them live? I have not. <laughs> I can, have. Well, that can actually be confirmed, though, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> All right, here's the time of the show that you've all been waiting for. They're just self-aware that most people only know them for that song and only care to hear that song. So, yeah, they probably don't like it, but sorry. Well, guess what? We like it. Yep. So does everyone in Ford Field, according to statistics. And not just (laughs) me blowing up song one. We have stats. We have stats. We have stats to back it. It wins. It's W's in the win column. All right. You know what? I've, I've been trying to get people positive. Let's, let's do a wish list here. We're going to take a quick break here when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, we've already been airing grievances, but it's going to be a formal Festivus airing of grievances and then a wish list. Get two holidays, one podcast. We will be right back. Prideofdetroit.com. All right, guys, I need the energy for this one. I need the chatter. Let's get, let's get friendly. Let's get, let's get lively. Lively. Yeah. Mm. Pride of Detroit POD cast. Now it is time for the airing of grievances. Um, I've never seen this entire Seinfeld episode, so I have no clue how to really even do this. I think I'm just supposed to give the floor to you guys. In years past, we've done airing of grievances for uh, for Festivus, and we didn't do it this year because a lot of us are traveling or in new life situations or anything else, any other any other myriad reasons. So, let's start. Uh, Jeremy, you've talked too much already. <laughs> I'm going to let Ryan take the floor first. You're welcome, listeners. Okay. Well, I mean, if there are any 
grievances that I have to air. I feel like Jim Bob Cooter is low-hanging fruit, but I think I just want to kind of air my grievances with the coaching staff as a whole. Um, in the Ask POD post that we put every put up every podcast to get your questions, um, the thing that I was most upset with a with the the coaching staff with was uh was very prevalent on Sunday against the Vikings and that was that the Lions still had uh an opportunity to come out and play spoiler to the Vikings playoff chances they had the ability to come out and save face in their final home game of the 2018 season they had an opportunity to split with the Vikings rather than let them sweep them uh all of that just didn't seem like it was very important. Um, I know that the Lions on the Hail Mary play, it happened. It was heading into half. If you could say that either team, anybody who watched that first half, you would point to the Lions side of the field and say that like those guys were the were the team that were playing the hardest with admittedly probably like the the sh- one of the shorter rosters in football considering the you know the injuries and the limitations they've had. And then the the play at the half happens, and then they come out in the second half, and they just did not look like the team that was out there in that first half. And it's just really disappointing to see the players not play within within the same like three hours of that single game. Like to see them play one way in the first half, and then play an entirely different way in the second half. Um, just really frustrating, and like. Alex Reno, um, uh, let me pour one out real quick for one of the former members of the podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, he he mentioned that on Twitter. He said, like, my confidence uh, level right now in Patricia is at, like, a two. And, like, I would be hard-pressed to, like, put much more confidence in that guy um, than Alex is, to be honest. So um, I understand, like, it was his first season, but – I mean, there's plenty of examples to show that first year head coaches have success and are capable of it. Look at what Mike Vrabel's doing in Tennessee. Um, look at what Sean McVay did with the Rams. I mean, these aren't outliers anymore. Like look at Matt Nagy with the bears. Like you're going to let that one slide. Damn it. I know. I know. Well, what, what, I mean, the, the point being that like these first time first year head coaches, like they do experience success. It's not always about, well, it's a, it's a process and we need to be patient and all these things that Matt Patricia said at the beginning of the season. Um, maybe the roster isn't in the best place. I, I will give you that, but there were changes made to this roster um, at certain junctures of the season. Uh where it really seemed like the Lions, I guess, were maybe kind of like folding things in. And um, I, it's, 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 it, doesn't, it doesn't bode well going into next season, um, the things or the way that this season kind of finished out, um, the way that the Lions, uh, I, I will never use the word tanking, but um, the way the Lions' like lack of effort was just so, so obvious, I think. Um, when it when it came from the the coaching staffs or when it came to the coaching staff, so that's my grieve ins with the Lions is this coaching staff and going into next year they're gonna have to do a lot to to win me back. Yeah, and I'm I'm worried that seems to be the overarching feeling about a lot of people about the organization right now is that there's there needs to be a lot to win back. So, Jeremy, what is your grievance? It is time to air it. 
I'm kind of go kind of going to go in the exact opposite direction. And my airing of grievance is against the tired, lazy argument that players quit on coaches. I don't think that's what this happened in this game. Okay, I, I don't I don't think that happened. I, I want to be clear that I don't think that happened, but yeah. Okay, well, obviously, I, I that, that narrative is certainly out there after that game because of the stark difference between the first half and the second half, and I get that. But we also have to remember how strong this team did come out in a game that meant nothing to them in terms of standing, in a game that meant everything to the Vikings, because if they lose that game, guess what? They are on the outside looking in going into week 17, having to face a Bears team that is playing for a first-round bye. So in terms of motivation, external motivation, it was all on the Vikings' side. It all had to come internally from the Lions. They came out and punched the Vikings in the mouth in the first half, and yeah, they got deflated in the second half. Yeah, maybe that had to do with a couple of key injuries like to Aishon. Maybe that had to do with the fact that the offense just isn't that good and that finally caught up with them. But the defense played their ass off throughout the entire game. You know, they, they forced a turnover on downs. Um, the last, last two drives when the Vikings could have essentially scored touchdowns after the offense, you know, they, the offense turned it over on downs twice in a row. Um, Vikings could have scored a touchdown and put the game away. They didn't. They went backwards. Four plays for negative one yards, four plays for three yards. Defense fought until the very end, and I understand it didn't look as good as it did in the first half, but they played a good game overall. And I think front to back. I mean, there were there were obviously plays here and there that didn't go their way, but I I, I think I think this team is still playing their ass off, and a lot of people are, are clutching to these things that Ricky Jean Francois is saying, and and he's one of the most outspoken guys, and he's saying things that I don't know. I think he's saying things that a lot of players who are frustrated say, and fans are eating it up because they're frustrated too. But I don't think they actually know what's going on, honestly. Like I, they're saying, you know, he's saying they, this needs to change of culture change of culture everyone needs a change of culture that doesn't mean anything that just means they want to win he wants i really hate that phrase i hate it too it means nothing it just means your team's winning that's a change of culture get that out of here Uh, i'm gonna disagree on that because again i've talked with i've talked with plenty of other players too and they say it goes more beyond but they they say it goes beyond winning go to excuses we just need a better attitude What, what does that mean that's just saying hey we're that's avoiding this, the fact that maybe your players just aren't good enough because you're not going to say, hey, I don't think the guy next to me is, play, is very good at football. You're not going to say that. You're going to say we need to change culture. But it means nothing. Again, I've talked to way too many players, former Lions, who've said kind of in that vein too. And like, I mean, it, that, that's great, but you need to come up with something better than just saying like, oh, they're just, these people stink too. Like, well, how, I mean, I get it. How many coaches do we need to go through? How many general managers do we need to go to before we've done a change of culture? What does that mean? How do you change the culture if you keep changing general managers, you keep changing coaches, you keep changing players? What do we have to do to change a culture? Do we have to move the fucking city out of Detroit? What does it mean? Wait, wait, wait. you need to move the city out of Detroit? The team, whatever. No, 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 no. no. I I want to explore this now because I've been trying to get for now for 30 minutes us on a fun track. And now I feel like we're going down the darkest hole possible. What do you want from me? I don't know. (laughs) I don't either. Here, here's your Christmas wish list. What do you want? What do you want for Christmas? Bad Santa's asking you. Here's the reason why I don't like the turn of phrase change of culture. Okay. For one, I think it insinuates that the way that things have done or the way that things have been handled in the past are wrong. And I can't necessarily say like, I, 
like how how can I point to like whatever anything like Jim Caldwell did or even um you know Schwartz before him or like any of these guys that like they did like experience some modicum of success and and just label that as being like wrong or like not the right way of doing things. Also, like what does it matter that any of those guys did in the past anyways? Like you should always kind of just be looking forward to like what's what's gonna be happening next. So like I think the idea I think when people say like the like a team or the Lions specifically, they say like, okay, like they need to change their culture. It's like you're focusing too much on what happened in the past. Like and it's almost kind of like buying you it's buying you like an excuse because it's it's really this like us versus them mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Like if and it by you know that's why well, I think that's who's, why who's the us and who's the them in this situation. The us is like Patricia versus the them. Like everybody who came before us. Like if we have to change the culture, we have all of mm-hmm. these things that we have to like we have to like you know load onto our shoulders. You know all of these past transgressions and all these you know bad managerial mistakes, coaching you know, players, we need to, we need to wash all that away. And it's up to us to change the culture. Like, so I don't like the us versus them mentality that that phrase, like it's, it's embedded in that. And and that's why I just, I, I don't care for it at all because you should almost just, it, it, it shouldn't matter what the people did before you that came in. Like I'm totally on board with like, you know, if somebody wants to come in and they have their way of doing things, do the things the way that you do them. Like that's why they like hired you to be a coach. I granted we've made fun of Patricia for doing the outside practices and all this other stuff. But I mean, the team is five and 10. So they're the results. The proof is not in the pudding so far with whatever culture he's trying to change. But I, I think that's why people buy into that idea of like changing the culture because they definitely buy into like the Detroit versus everybody attitude. And that's another us versus them thing. And it's just, it's, it's really, it's really tired and I don't like it. And I'm, I'm just very adamant about that. I think it's a stupid phrase that means nothing. So do you think every player who's saying that then is stupid? Like, cause again, it's coming from a lot of people at this point when it comes to just players. I, I mean, that's, that's where I'm hanging up. Cause I I'm with you on most of it. I think a lot of it is kind of, it's self-serving towards history. If you win, you get the culture but I don't know how to square it when a lot of players are saying it. Maybe they want to be nice instead of just saying something else. Yeah. I think their, their perceptions can be off. I mean, you, you ask any player that this is going back to my momentum argument, but it's just, it's a good example. Every, every single athlete ever thinks that momentum exists when statistics show a lot of times it doesn't. And it's just, it's a perception you have when you're in there, you know, you think players aren't buying in. You think that, you know, the, the players around you have the talent enough to succeed. Every single team in the NFL thinks they have the talent to succeed. And when it doesn't happen, you come up with an excuse. And a great excuse, because it's something completely intangible, is that the players aren't buying in. But the attitude isn't right. Because if the attitude isn't right, that means the talent is there. And so... I just, I, it's an, it's a mean nothing phrase. And I'm not saying they're idiots for saying that they want to protect their own. They want to protect their, their skill set. A guy like Ricky Jean-Francois himself, while he's played well in the last two games, his days are behind him. Maybe he's the reason why the Lions run defense was so bad in, in the beginning of the season. In fact, he was, was it because he wasn't buying in? 
No, it was because he was not playing well. He knows Patricia. He knows the defense. He's not not buying in. This team dug itself into a hole way too deep, way too early in the season. And maybe that's why they ended up trading Golden Tate. And maybe if they beat the Jets, maybe if they beat the 49ers, this whole season goes on a completely different trajectory. Well, to answer to answer your question, Chris, do I think the players are stupid? No, I just don't think that they understand everything that comes with that phrase. No, I think that's fair enough. I would I would say though, like it could possibly be both though. Like it could be that they're not skilled enough or they're not buying in either. But again, I don't have a, I don't have a solid argument for this right now because I don't think too hard on certain things like this. I haven't sat here and thought I'd jump into this. And instead, I'll just open up our Christmas list because we're deep enough in this podcast. Let's turn on and hopefully, what, what do you guys want to see for the future? Let's talk about the future now. All I want for Christmas. All I want for Christmas is a lose is Africa. Is I just want an offense back, man. Like Whether it means an offensive coordinator, whether it means... Uh, you know, a, a newfound commitment to the passing game again. Whatever it is, like this team used to be fun, especially Matthew Staff used to be really fun to watch. This year, these le- I mean, he's not going to throw for four thousand yards this year. He hasn't thrown for over two fifty. I feel like since September, it feels like, and it's just it's so it's so not fun to watch. I, I, I the team over the past really five or six years has been one of the most exciting teams in the NFL. And I, I know a lot of people might push back on that statement, but I really think it's true. Not one of the best. Let's not kid ourselves. But one of the most exciting because they, they did some crazy things. They made some crazy plays. Marvin Jones Jr. Was a highlight machine last year. The year before that, Matthew Stafford was mounting a comeback every other week. This team used to be fun and exciting and it used to come from their offense. And I know Matt Patricia is a defensive minded coach and I do love watching a really, really good defense. But the Lions aren't there yet, and they're still going to need an offense. They're still going to need a team that can put up 30 points any week of the season. This team can't put up 20 right now. It's not fun. So please, please, all I want for Christmas is an offense. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if the personnel needs to change or the coaching needs to change. Please give me an exciting offense again. Ryan, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, All I want for Christmas is, from a Lions fan perspective, uh, I want a defense. So I guess I'm going the opposite of Jeremy because he wants an <laughs> offense, but we want everything. But so here's the reason why I want a defense is because one, the Lions have a head coach who is defensive minded. And for two, if there's ever been a team where I felt like the Lions, if there's ever been a Lions team that I've been able to get behind and say like, hey, this team could be successful. It was the, it was the 2014 team. Like, and I mean, they had the, they had one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, and, you know, we all know how close they were to finally achieving what every young Lions fan um, and even middle-aged Lions fans uh, want. And that's, that's a, that's a playoff victory. So if there's ever been, like I said, a, a Lions team that has experienced success, it's been with, with defense for me um, at, at, you know, at a, at a level at which I thought like, Hey, this team could actually do something. Um, so I'm just let hoping me, for a defense. Let me ask you a question. How close do you think they are to having a good defense? I'm going to be honest. I think that they're like two players away. Yeah. And I know that might sound kind of silly, but 
adding snacks was maybe maybe that'll go down as Bob Quinn's best move ever. When it when it yeah, has to be right. I think what I mean, even when like his entire like, even when he submits his like final resume um, for what he did as Lions general manager. I mean, trading a fifth round pick for a guy who completely changed the Lions' passing defense or rushing defense. You know, like so obviously, like every statistic bears out that he had a huge influence on it. Um, and to get him for a fifth round pick is incredible, but. If you consider him, Ashawn Robinson, Deshaun Hand, like you have a pretty good like core nucleus of of guys. The only thing that they're missing, and the only thing that Lions have been missing for so long, is a pass rusher, right? If Bob Quinn can add a pass rusher, and if he can add another cornerback, I'm yep. gonna say. I, I was I, waiting for that. Yep. Yeah, I mean that that much is obvious. Um, and I think maybe if you want to, if you want to make a you want to make a push and say that they really need a safety depending on what happens with Glover Quinn um yes but like I I truly think that they're like two maybe three players away from having a defense that could like be like this is where I'm gonna go wild but I'm in the Christmas spirit like they could be like a top 10 defense yikes I don't disagree at all I might I might throw a linebacker in there but um just because I feel like if they had like they had a Leighton Vander Esch type. Then no, I saw you crushing on him on Twitter. He's he's so good <laughs> right now. But if they had one guy like that, and, and sorry, Jared Davis, you just you just aren't that right now. You really aren't. Um, I feel like that run defense would be even better, like number one run defense in the league, better instead of you know top five. I just realized I never did my own Festivus grievances, but yeah. I'll leave that there. Uh, what I want for Christmas, and I'm kind of sidestepping both of y'all, but kind of, I guess, maybe complimenting is that I want interesting players. I want people who are exciting to talk to and expressive on the field and just fun. Like, Carrion Johnson, I feel, has some potential to be that. Uh, clearly, from his Twitter, he likes playing Fortnite, so he should be a match with you guys, plenty. Me, at least. With you, at least, and and Alex. Uh, Golden Tate was always an exciting personality, and he's unfortunately not here. But then just you look around the NFL, too. Like, there are some really cool guys out there right now, be it Patrick Mahomes, you know, throwing for a million, but also embracing his stupid little catch-up on on mac and cheese thing (laughs) to get a sponsorship with Hunts. Drew Brees for MVP. (laughs) Drew Brees is boring. I'm sorry. He doesn't do disgusting food things. Yeah, he just does disgusting. He just does does disgusting jeans and motorbike commercials. Yeah. It wasn't (laughs) even a motorbike. It was like a triped motorbike. All I hear is jealousy. All I hear is Z. I want fun guys. I want like, I know Jalen Ramsey is being in the punished venom snake area of the world right now. But I want guys who just are fun to talk to because if nothing else, like as Jeremy alluded to, if you're not going to be successful, at least be interesting. It's a fair one. And I don't think you're going to get your Christmas wish because it's not really the lion's MO right now. No, it's not. It's, it's absolutely not. And that is, and that is, that is also why I also have something else on my Christmas list. But before you do that, one, one guy that might, Phil, that prophecy is Deshaun Hand because he is a fun guy to talk to. He just 
he doesn't prefer the spotlight, so he's kind of quiet. But when he when he opens up, he's actually a lot of fun to talk to. Wonder if he plays Fortnite. Yeah, Jeremy, awesome. you're 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 the journalist here. You're the one with the access to the locker room. It's true. Maybe maybe that'll be my final question to him if he's in the locker room after the game on Monday. Gotta find Carry on. Ask him about how he's doing in Fortnite. I haven't seen Carry on in a month, man. I know. All right, let's take a break here. Uh, try to get to the mailbag and finally put some holiday cheer in this thing. I'm not lying when I'm saying y'all are being downers right now, and I don't like it. I know the team's being downers, though, so I can't blame you. Dropping All right. a lot of downers in the toilet. Okay. Okay. That All right. Is that better? Is this what you want? Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in. Um, before we begin, by the way, I want to plug out someone I should have plugged at the beginning of the show. Our boy Hamza Bakush, who was on the last POD cast, who we greatly appreciate for him stepping in. Holidays are always weird around here at POD. A lot of people traveling, a lot of people having fun with family. Hamza was great to be back in. Uh, we've been doing f- hashtag free Hamza for a while. We couldn't really get him his original account, but uh, you can now follow him. He's back on Twitter at Hamza POD, which as we brought up is something he could have probably have done like an entire football season ago. Just make a new account. Yeah. I, I, I met with him during the game and me and Eric Schlitt from Lineswire promised him to get him to a thousand followers by the draft. He's currently at 150 oh, already. You won't do that for me. You never asked or got kicked off Twitter. But you know what? I think you probably have getting kicked off Twitter in your future. So maybe after that. (laughs) (laughs) If I get kicked off Twitter, I'm coming back with like some really bizarre name anyway. So. I only got a thousand. Everyone else put me in the dust. Chill out. No. I want people to appreciate my jokes. I want people to appreciate my draft memes that I am currently stocking my folder with. You want people to think you're funny? How funny, like a clown, like a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. That's my entire point of doing this POD cast is trying to make people at least enjoy themselves on a, on a football team that is rough to enjoy. Sometimes I think that was going to be my grievance about like, you know, just enjoying just, just, yeah, that was my grievance pretty much is with fans like who take this too seriously or self-flagellate like, this is a this is a team where if you're gonna follow them, like just be be confident in what you're following. Either like cheer for them, root for them, or have a little bit of kind of irony and sarcasm and some fun with it. But don't don't self flagellate. Don't say why do I follow this awful team? You don't need to follow it. Let's get to the question, shall we? Yeah. All right. Uh, we might as well start this one for uh, Cram9030. Want to say thanks for hanging in and doing this with such a crappy season. Uh, thank you, Cram. We appreciate doing it. We wouldn't be anywhere else. He, sa- he asks, in this season of hope and joy, what do you have for Patricia next year and why? What hope and joy for Patricia? 
know, what hope do you have for Patricia next year? What? Uh, well, I guess I guess it's just that the the defense has has shown a pretty good improvement going into the second half of the season, and you can you can credit that to snacks if you want. I think I think it goes a little deeper than that. Um, they they started to create some pressure. I thought the pressure was actually pretty good in against the Vikings. So I I, I do think this could be a, a top half defense next year without a ton of personnel change. And we were just talking about it. If if they had one or two good guys. I, I definitely don't think top ten is out of the question, even top five. If if I'm being completely serious, yikes! I can't go top five. <laughs> All right, eh. Ryan, you you have a thought or is it just eh? It's just a noise. It's just How about a carry noise. Out? dude? If tell me you haven't been watching the Lions for the past three or four weeks and seen Zach Zenner run through a wide open hole at his, you know, five mile per hour pace and not thought about carry on Johnson breaking that for 70. Well, yeah, I, I mean, telling people about Zach, but you know, whatever. I was going to say, I mean, we, we did see it and I really liked it and I'm sad that it's gone. I can't <laughs> wait for it to be back. <laughs> that, yeah, I guess that, it's not a Patricia hope thing, but that's a 20, 2019 hopeful thing. 2019 yeah. hope thing. It's, it's hope for the future. And that's, that's, that's what we can sell here. We can sell hope. That's all we have. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, Joseph R. Sweeney five. Do you need a football break after the lines are officially eliminated or do you press on as normal? Um, I, I personally love the NFL playoffs. Like the stakes of a one and done are just so much fun, which is why, which is why to me, like I'm fine with the lines ever backing into the playoffs, so to speak, because, because it's such an exciting time and to have your actual team be in there. Super exciting. So, uh, no, I, I love me some playoff football. And plus, knowing the, the abyss that's ahead of eight months of footballless life, I, I try to milk every little piece of the NFL that I can while it's still here. I, I'm with you on that. Like, it's, it, I, I think there's, I think kind of the last three, four weeks of the season last month really it it can be kind of a drag especially since if your team's headed for elimination that drags you down if you run a fantasy team i know jeremy doesn't like you're probably getting eliminated uh you know like a week or two ago i think all that can help drag you down but then i'm back in by like week like week 17 i will watch fiercely because the Steelers could miss the playoffs here they're very likely to miss the playoffs unless the browns beat um so what is it like? I think they have to win. The Steelers have to win the division now. Am I wrong? Because I, I think yeah, Colts Titans are playing each other, and the Chargers are in. Colts winner of Colts Titans will have ten wins. Pittsburgh is at eight six and one. Uh, can Pittsburgh get in? Oh, if they Ravens beat. Ravens have to lose, and the Steelers have to win, and the Ravens are playing the Browns. Gotcha. Well, that's gonna be a tough game. The Browns have been yeah. a lot of fun. It, I well, mean, right after I stopped rooting for them. <laughs> they have. They've been the surprising team of the year. However, they're also playing in Baltimore, so that, that can be t- a tough one for Cleveland. Brown, yeah, Browns have won five of the last six. Yeah. Steelers would have to beat the Bengals, though. And uh, yeah. talking yeah. about bloody rivalries. <laughs> yeah. Garbage right no, now. they are garbage. They are garbage. But this is like one of those games where you can save face. Yeah, uh, who knows? I mean, speaking of save face, what a what a gesture by Baker Mayfield to just 
terrorize, <laughs> absolutely terrorize Hugh Jackson. Like, I think somebody put it best on Twitter. They said, like, that one stare down set the Bengals franchise back 50 years. <laughs> um, it's I like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I love how much Baker Mayfield just has no respect for Hugh Jackson. Yeah, I mean, just why would you after whatsoever. the, after that, clearly the, the, <laughs> the way that he was holding that team back. I mean, I think the the proof is in like what Jeremy just said, the winners of five of their last six and all those games come after the Hugh Jackson era. But the, the, the reason, so like saying that I like Baker Mayfield, that's like the same reason why I really like watching playoff football though. But like, this goes back to like one of those conversations we had earlier in the season, right? Chris, when we talked about, you know, just becoming a bigger fan of like players and personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and some of those personalities that I just want to watch are, um, I don't know, let's see. Like for example, uh, like Alvin Kamara, like he's wearing a ski mask in the locker room, and him and Mark Ingram have like such a, they have such a, like a kind of like a bro thing going on where they're, they're like the two uh-huh. running backs, and it's like I love Alvin Kamara. Like protect him at all costs. He has incredible, he has an incredible Twitter account, and then he's also just like one of the most fun players to watch on the field. Yeah, and Charger, I mean, Philip Rivers is going to be in the playoffs and talk about a guy who's had an understated career and also a very weird man, but I will be here for, for Philip Rivers and his bolo tie. Absolutely, I will be too, especially after you did all of this without Hunter Henry. Yeah, Hunter Henry's back. Our top 10, <laughs> one of our top 10 tight ends for the year is finally back. I hope he proves it in the playoffs. <laughs> Just so we can in the in the last hour save face from probably our worst ever list cast. I, I think I spammed NFL.com and voted in for the Pro Bowl. Unfortunately, it was it wasn't <laughs> good enough effort. It wasn't enough. You should have got the same people who organized themselves from Winnemucca. <laughs> oh my god! So I mean, like, yeah, either the Colts or the Titans are going to be in the playoffs as well. Yeah, that, that Colts those teams game, are super fun. <laughs> that week seventeen game is basically a play in. Yep, dude. There's no player. There's no player. I think I dislike in the NFL more than Taylor Lewan. I mean, I'll never say oh. that to his face, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like. I would rather, and you're gonna have to bleep this. Sorry, Chris. I would rather say the words Marvin Harrison than than tech, say anything necessarily bad about Taylor Lewan. I'm like not bleeping it. You live with the bed you've made. All right, <laughs> I'm telling you. So but this is it. We're sitting here talking about like the playoffs here. It's, it's fun. It's fine. So like, yeah. And then it's a race who in the NFC, what it's a race between the Eagles and the, uh, and the Vikings to see who gets that last spot. Pretty much. Yeah. How, how does that work? Is it Vikings winning? They're in. Yes. Okay. But if they lose the Eagles still have to win. And I can't remember. Yeah. Some divisional pro probably Washington. Well, Bears is who the is who Vikings play. Eagles are playing. Um, imagine it's I might imagine some NFC East thing. Uh yeah, they're playing this. They're playing the uh, stop resetting. They're playing the Skins. We'll probably win that. The Skins are. Did you hear about DJ Swearinger uh, getting cut? Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk and shit about your defensive coordinator. That that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, talking shit on your uh, talking shit on the radio. No, I think he that was, right, you know what? he was definitely not buying in. He definitely. <laughs> if you want an example of someone who wasn't buying in, the guy who literally calls out his coach, that's a pretty good example. 
Fair enough. All right. Next question here is from Bud Dog. What would you say was your favorite thing slash moment from the 2018 POD cast and why? Audible mm. Dong. Audible Dong's up Audible there for dong? sure. This is something where we could have probably have done some like preparation to think about this. Yeah, but then again, the first thing that pops into your mind is probably the the answer for you, right? Yeah, I was going to say, and this is just recency bias kicking in, though, um, Hunter Henry in our top tens. I think that's good. I'm really glad that I waited to get Hunter Henry out of both of your guys' mouth before I did the reveal. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was good. a good one. What else was good about the I season? Mean, once once again, and I know we, we've talked about this, Jeremy, but like you know, the podcast we did with Megan Dooley a while back was still, I think, probably my one of our best podcasts we've done. I know people don't like talking about it or bringing up the subject, but it was a good podcast. I feel like we took a pretty interesting angle on that episode, and I know a lot of people just didn't want us to talk about it at all and, and thought we were being unfair. But yeah, I think I think that was something that you didn't really see anyone else doing when they were covering that story. So yeah, I think, I think we did a good job there. Also we had, I mean, I'm excited for draft time because our draft coverage for pride of Detroit is usually the most fun time we have. Cause like we have a bunch of guests who just generally don't show up on the show before or after the draft who come in for draft season. So I'm excited in 2019 to have Jerry back, to have Alex back, to have uh, Ken back. Yep. Brett probably will show up. Yep. Like yeah. it's the, the draft gets everyone together. It does. Like, it alienates me, but you know what? For the greater good. <laughs> I don't want to hear me talk about draft stuff. I'm just here so you don't get fined. Sure. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So this is, let's see. I, this is originally asked by Mike Duquette on Twitter, but then someone, Gary AMG Prevo, tags us in with hashtag ask POD. How many spots on defense are set for next year? And Jeremy, you gave your answer all answer already at six players. Well, I messed up. That was, oh. I was doing an airport Q and a, and I forgot about Quandre Diggs. So seven. So seven. You, and then I also didn't count Deshaun hand as a starter. Which okay. He, so he is, but I well, think yeah, your list was like besides those two, besides hand and hand and digs, you've also got Ashawn, Snacks, Slay, Davis, Kennard, and Walker. Yeah. So do you agree with that, Ryan, or do you have a different take? Uh nope. That sounds about right. And I mean that that gives room for, like I said, like two or three more impact players, and then all of a sudden you got a top ten defense. What what are your thoughts on, on Christian Jones? Because I believe does he have one more year in his contract? I can't remember, but let's just, I mean, he's, he's actually kind of been a PFF darling for most of the season, this past game, not included. Cause I think he was one of the lowest graded players. Um, I don't know. I no, there's nothing flashy about Christian Jones, obviously, but would you be okay keeping him around for another year? Um, I would be fine with it. I think early on in the season, I, 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 I can't recall the exact game, but I do remember like the blown, um, blown coverage. Um, man, I'm really trying to remember what it is, but it was, I want to say it was, it was, it was a red zone play. It was like, so typical of the lions not being able to clean up the red zone defense. And there was supposed to be like a switch that happened where Christian Jones was supposed to pick up a tight end or something of the such. But like, other than that, like, I, I guess it's a good thing that I don't hear his name a bunch. 
right? Because he's just one of those things where it's like, well, he's probably doing his job. Like if he's not getting singled out for, you know, a bad play. Um, I know it's kind of a weird bar to get over, but as far as the Lions, like linebacker performance in the past, like how long would you say? Four years? Like that's that's pretty good stuff. So right, what, what if I were to tell you though, that he is under contract for 3.8 million and you can get out from 300 million of that next or sorry, three, 3 million of that next year. <laughs> um, I, I would keep them around. Okay. I'm not, I, I, even as a depth guy, I mean, yeah. he'd be good like situationally and stuff. I mean, cause I don't think I've really seen enough out of other guys like Jalen Reeves, Mabin or. And I think, um, yeah. I think Christian Jones schematically makes sense. Like he, he gets the scheme. He's in the right places. I just, I don't think he's necessarily a, a supremely talented player, but he, I feel like at the very least he could be a teachable guy. He's a, I'm sorry, a, a, a tutor teaching other guys the new system. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm on board with keeping him. We, 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 yeah, I think we have another question in the mailbag that's going to talk about some cap casualties so we can get to that. Um, I can't find that one, but I do have one about from T one eighty two. Uh, which two free agents make the most sense for the lions to pr- pursue this off season. I also have one about, um, I thought I had one about safeties, free agent safeties. I think I wanted to start there. Oh, here we go. Jojo Wicker fan. Uh, this free agent class seems to be loaded with safeties. Who would the team go after? I mean, mm-hmm. would you want the team to go after one, even with Walker and Diggs? I'm I'm so far away from like looking into like the free agents, but mm-hmm. I mean, I would agree that if there's two positions I think that the Lions should go after in free agency, I would say that it would be like cornerback and safety. Um, I don't know I'm, much about safety right now, but I do know that like I was jumping in and looking at cornerback rankings during, I think, Alex's kind of stream and uh, Lions Q&A. And yeah, there's some good guys. There's going to be like Vontae Davis, Eric Reed. Uh, who else? There, there's there's quite a few guys at cornerback going out in the market. The big name is Landon Collins, but I, I have yeah. no belief that he's going to hit the free market. Um, the The answer to this question for me is I don't want them spending big money on a safety. Um, I Honestly, I'm fine with Tracy Walker and Quandre Diggs. I don't think safety is a high priority right now. I think defensive end is. I think linebacker is a bigger priority than safety. Cornerback, I think they need two. And then we also probably are talking about adding a, a running back or two and, and maybe a free agent guard and definitely at least one tight end and maybe a wide receiver. So I think safety is behind all those positions right now. Uh, Ooh, I've yeah. got one in, in terms of oh. getting a guy who's going to get like a high snap count, I would agree with you, Jeremy. And the reason I, the reason I say though, that I would like them to go after like secondary players in the off season is that I think that you can get, you can get uh, players who can contribute and they won't break the bank. Like, I mean, if, for for people who are like hopeful or wishful that the Lions maybe get like a pass rusher in like free agency, like that's a premium like talent. You know, that, the, that's when yeah. the last time a, a defensive end really hit the market and was and, and succeeded in their new home. Right. So um, I I think that like look away from like the Malcolm Butler's obviously. Like I mean he's I think he's like gone from being like the worst cornerback in the NFL, according to PFF at the beginning of the season to being, you know, um, better, but <laughs> I, I don't want them to, I, I agree with you that I don't want them to break the bank, but when it comes to players, like if, if you're hopeful for getting a, a player at like a premium position, like a pass rusher, like it's just, it's too expensive. Like go to the draft for that. 
What about um, the one that caught my eye when I was looking through the list on safety was Tyron Matthew, but that's going with me wanting like the biggest personalities out there. And I can't think of many better than Honey Badger. I love Tyron Matthew. Yeah, He's he's had an incredible season in Houston, though. I don't I don't see why they would they would want to let him. They would probably re-sign him. Yeah. Yeah. They they have quite a few pieces. They have quite a few pieces that they need to take care of in terms of contract. Might, Might be a cap casualty there. Yeah. And, Speaking and, of which, and, uh, yeah. Oh, well, I want to go back to the original question, which was like two, two guys that make the most sense. And again, we're we're throwing this out there, not knowing whether they're actually going to hit the market or not. And and I think this is probably the most slam dunk answer that I've already seen everyone throw out there. And it's Trey Flowers. We're talking about edge guys that might be on the market. Trey Flowers, obviously, already coming from New England, so is is an easy fit. Um, but he's, he's been very, very effective this year. And what does he have? Six and a half sacks for three straight years now. Um, use that 60 tackles last year's 50 so far this year. Um, playing, playing pretty darn well. I just don't, I mean, you have to wonder too, because the Patriots are kind of one of those organizations that tend to move on from, from players that you don't expect them to move on from. Um, so there's a chance that he's, that he actually hits the market. Problem is that edge rushers on the market tend to get way overpaid because they don't hit the market that often. But in terms of schematic fit, in terms of need, I don't think you're going to find a guy better than Trey Flowers on the market. Yep, I don't have much else to uh, hard close to to close out this uh, podcast. We usually like to cold close it. Uh, don't have much here, guys. This has been fun. We're going to see no, each other before the new year. We need some Christmas questions we didn't get any christmas questions in here i'm disappointed not a single one what do you want what do you even want to say what do you, what, what do you want to ryan, say about christmas i'm not ryan doing a christmas no we're right in chris what was your we may have already done this before i don't care what was the best christmas gift you've ever been given hmm Ooh. Ooh. I, I don't know did. if I can answer that. I think we did do this question because I think I remember giving the answer, but I'll give you, I'll give you my answer. So when I was, I think I was like two years into college, uh, hadn't seen like a whole lot of like my family in a while. Um, and uh, I always used to play Yahtzee with my grandmother and she, uh, for Christmas, like I, she, she got me a, a frame and I, you know, I could tell it's a picture frame and I open it. And uh, she actually like went and uh, framed one of the uh, like one of the game scores from like our Yahtzee games that we played oh, one wow. time. Um, and it was when she beat me. Um, <laughs> so I thought I thought that was a good slam dunk. But um, <laughs> that gift kind of always stuck out to me because it's one. of I don't know. The older you get, like, don't you guys agree? Like the older you get, like the less like the material stuff matters, obviously. Yeah. So like I've kind of. I've tried to really push my family in the direction of like, Hey, like how about instead of buying each other gifts, like let's go somewhere and like do something fun or I don't know. But that's, that's like one of those gifts where it's like, it's just like a reminder of like good memories and stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of there with you. And to that end, like this is the first year my family hasn't really been together for Christmas. Uh, a long time my brother's not really coming home my myself and my sister were both on the west coast and it was too expensive for either of us to fly i didn't even have my id so i couldn't fly 
And my other sister in D.C. had like surgery on her leg, so she couldn't really even travel. So it's uh, been pretty rough, but I'll well, save that one for the future. Getting everyone getting everyone back together. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe maybe that's a good thing to send, send us out on is there are probably a lot of people that might be listening to this on Christmas that won't be able to be with loved ones. Maybe they're working, maybe it's distance keeping them apart. Maybe they're overseas, that sort of stuff. Um, hopefully we can provide you a little bit of familiness with this podcast. Um, obviously, we've been through some stuff together, all of us that are listening. So been through some shit. No, this is too soppy. No, no, no. We need to be arguing Come about on. Christmas movies. We need to be arguing about <laughs> Christmas movies. Jeremy, I appreciate the sentiment, but yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with I agree with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> if we're a family, we should be arguing. We're doing this wrong. <laughs> All right, Home Alone's the best Christmas movie, go. No, I argue again. I've argued before, and I have to stick with this, even though I have a Christmas movie in mind, that the Christmas movie is not a real thing. It's a shibboleth. It's dead. And honestly, if if any any vein where someone says Love Actually is a good movie because it's a Christmas movie, like we can just eradicate the entire genre then, because Love Actually sucks. It is so terrible. I love how that sentence worked together. You said Love Actually sucks. So you're just saying the concept. Yeah, yeah, love sucks too. <laughs> which, which again, begins great because I was just railing against us being soppy. You see how this works? There you go. Very on brand today, Chris. Go, Grinch. Yeah, and now I'm like trying to pay attention because I see a cat playing with, I think, a bug and I'm trying to make sure he doesn't eat it. So now it's like, now this podcast has gone off the rails and that's where I want it and that's where we will end it. We will see you all next time. Before the, Are we going to have one before the new year or is it the last one of 2018? Uh, we should have one before the new year, shouldn't we? Yeah, New Year's a week from today is New Year's Eve, or yes, New Year's Eve. Um, we we might be talking about some coaching changes then, so let's look forward to that. <laughs> let's look more forward to the axe falling on people's heads. Plus, we, we might we'll, we'll might we might get a, a first your landlord. What? Yeah. What? First bite. What? First bite. That's a we do a preview podcast every week. It's called First Bite. Have I been uh, on that? I wouldn't I know anything about it to be honest. <laughs> Happy holidays, everybody! Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at. I am Brian Shepard. I-A-M-B-R-I-A-N-S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>